Hi everyone, welcome to Teaching Matters. This program is produced and recorded in the studios of WOUB Public Media in Athens, Ohio. I'm your host, Scott Titsworth, Dean of the Scripps College of Communication at Ohio University. You know, in, in my program uh, in the Communication College, we place a heavy emphasis on internships. And I know across higher education, uh, particularly when we're recruiting students and also helping students chart a course of study, uh, internships are frequently a part of that discussion. Less often do we hear uh, examples of internship and outward-facing, industry-engaged programs uh, in high school settings. They certainly take place. Even around Athens, they do that. I just think that when you look at uh, a lot of the literature on internships, it tends to skew towards higher education placements. So we're lucky today to have Peter Harris, who is the Assistant Superintendent of Career and Technical Education and Alternative Education at Ulster Boses in New Paltz, New York. Uh, he's going to be talking to us about the program that they have uh, in their in their um, uh, program. Uh, so, Peter, thanks for being on here. Did I butcher the name of the city again after having asked you about that? <laughs> uh, New Paltz, New York is correct. We're in Ulster County, just uh, just off the banks of the Hudson River, uh, nestled between the Catskill Mountains as well. And just to let people sort of mentally have a geography of this, about how far north of the city are you? 90 miles north of New York City, and actually just across uh, the bridge from Highland, which is on the southeastern part of our county uh, is where the commuter uh, Metro North Rail runs uh, on the east side of the river. So we do have uh, opportunity for people to commute to Mm -hmm. Ulster County from New York City. Uh Very good. So let's talk about your organization specifically. BOCES, which is part of the name of your uh, organization, actually stands for the Board of Cooperative Educational Services, which is a model that's used in New York and similar models in other uh, states as well. Can you kind of describe what your organization is and how it interfaces with the school districts in Ulster County? Absolutely. So as a a BOCES, Board of Cooperative Educational Services, as you mentioned, uh, our task is to, you know, provide educational service uh, opportunities for specifically our eight component districts. That's how BOCES work in New York. Uh, and so that, that those are our countywide schools. Um, and in order to provide an educational service, we basically have to have two of those entities who are interested in an item, in a, in a service. And that service could be career and technical education programming. Uh, it could be data management. Uh, it could be instructional services for teacher training and preparation, um, management services, special education services. So it ranges from K-12 and any supports that a K-12 uh, educational program uh, might have or need, as well as um, technology services mm-hmm. or range. So it's both educational and also administrative types of, of engagements that you have. Correct. And we also have at our BOCES a regional information center, which mm-hmm. does tech infrastructure, uh, data management, cybersecurity, mm-hmm. those types of things. Sure. So thinking specifically about the way that students engage, so your educational programs, uh, I know that you're, you specifically uh, work um, uh, with career and technical education. Are there other types of educational programs in your BOCES um, that, that take place you know, sort of outside of that realm? Yeah, well, so we have our special education programming, um, which uh, intends to and endeavors to provide for um, unique um, needs of of individual uh, Mm -hmm. students. 
Um, we also have, uh, beyond our career and technical education, we have our adult education program, which is housed uh, in the same building. Uh, and so those are for folks uh, who need uh, an opportunity to upskill um, mm-hmm. or to have job training that they didn't otherwise get in their high school or collegiate experience. Uh, and th- that those requests come to us from uh, local employers, higher education, or from the community itself. And mm-hmm. then we have community education. And so the community education program can range from, um, you know, Mahjong, learning how to play a card game, to uh, barbering skills. Um, and we even have pickleball that's starting up uh, <laughs> as an adult activity. So it, it really uh-huh. does range. Uh, but we also have alternative education programming. So we have an early college high school model that we operate uh, where our kids come to us from our component districts, have the opportunity to study uh, in a pathways program to earn their associate's degree uh, in either advanced manufacturing or network administration and no cost mm-hmm. to themselves or their families. And then we have an alternative high school replacement program that's housed in our career and technical education uh, mm-hmm. program for those kids who – uh, would otherwise prefer to have a, a hands-on learning experience in right. a different learning environment. If I'm a student in one of your component districts and um, I choose that pathway of, of career and technical education, do I actually start physically attending a location, you know, like a bu- do you have a building where I would come or does it sort of depend upon the program? Uh, currently, our programs all exist uh, for our career and technical programs in uh, Port Ewan, New York, which is just south of our county seat, Kingston, mm-hmm. by a couple of miles. Uh, so we have approximately 26 programs that we annually operate that are two-year programs, um, typically uh, for juniors and seniors around the county. And they come for half a day, uh, 180 days, two years in a row. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So... What we wanted to, you know, sort of focus on in this discussion, I know that um, in in reading the background information that your career and technical education program has a very intentional outreach to uh, area industry partners uh, so that students can, you know, gain internship experience. Can you start by talking about the history of this program um, and how it's evolved and and why you, you know, as, as an education professional think that this type of program is so important? So uh, first, about the the framework of the program, Um, we're very fortunate to have uh, a work-based learning coordinator supervisor um, who's been at this work for an entire uh, career, um, who has deep ties to uh, national uh, trade-based organizations. And he was able to uh, put us on a path to developing internship uh, opportunities and scaffolds in which uh, we start with advisory committees, mm-hmm. uh, steering committees, so that our industry partners have voice at the table uh, at the onset of the academic uh, year and curriculum, where they can uh, talk to us about employability skills, um, share with us some ideas about curriculum, and even push in some work-based learning challenges um, for our kids to work on throughout the year. Um so we believe and we find that having a steering committee uh, that can be advocates um, for their industry, uh, intentional about uh, employment needs, as well as the opportunities for mentoring that they are providing uh, mm-hmm. to the kids on a consistent and ongoing basis is a, is a great foundational piece. Uh, and then we look for opportunities to include them, as I said, in these work-based learning challenges. 
um, where, where the employer, the industry partner can come right into the program or the building, whether that's by Zoom, which we were able to do a lot uh, over the last several years, or physically coming to the building to, uh, to talk to us about what their challenges are, their needs are, uh, and their desires for their future employees. Mm-hmm. So it creates a nice interface. The uh, advisory committee, do you have more than one, uh, maybe by sector or area of industry, or is it just one big one that has a diverse representation? So uh, career and technical education programs in New York State are intended to have advisory committees for each of the approved programs. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do have one for each of the programs. Um, but the model that uh, is functioning uh, best for us um, that I'll just talk to, talk about here for a minute is the one that we're using in our manufacturing and network cybersecurity programs, uh, which oversees our Pathways and Technology Early College High School program. Um, we're partnered with a, a group of about 140 manufacturers, small to mid-size employers here in our Hudson Valley, uh, who take a real interest in, in making sure that the context I was giving before happens for the kids on a consistent, regular basis so that kind of monthly uh, our kids are getting challenges, real-world challenges that the employers, industry partners are facing Um presenting basically a project-based learning activity and opportunity for the kids to, uh, to iterate around a response to the question, mm-hmm. uh, to, to be able to tune, reflect, and then present back out around that problem. Um, and that's the way in which our, uh, our advisory and steering committee is, is helping us the most, um, is to provide those uh, engaging, consistent opportunities throughout the, uh, the time the kids are with us. And then Essentially, that that sets the kids up for an opportunity, our young scholars for an opportunity, young professionals uh, to shop themselves around to the industry partners for internships um, mm-hmm. and and future employment. So, starting um, that that first step of doing the industry challenge, can you can you maybe you know dig in on uh, uh, an example um, that that you could use to see you know, to explain to the listeners how that challenge might look for the students. And then, and then as doing so, can you also sort of describe what the student experience is while they're undertaking that challenge over, you know, a week, two weeks, a month, or whatever the typical time frame is? Absolutely. So I'm going to speak about one uh, from a, a manufacturing industry partner that has, uh, that builds pneumatic devices um, that help them to, um, use the fastening systems they have a patent on. And they have, uh, they have contracts with uh, the United States government department of defense for these fastening systems. So if you would picture uh, loosely um, grommets or, or rivets mm-hmm. um, and they join together metal for shipping and aircraft and that, that sort of thing. Um, and so this partner has developed this machine that they sell for thousands of dollars Um and they came to the kids and said, hey, we're not sure this machine that we, uh, that we make, that we build, that we sell to our customers, uh, how many uses to failure for this pneumatic machine. Um, but we've worked with other vendors to try to identify it. We just can't come up with it. So we take that challenge back um, as, as leaders and as teachers, and we go through a project design 
approach, which is essentially the launch was the challenge question and hearing it from the industry partner. And then we start to iterate a response. And the kids kind of come up with, what did we hear? What do we need to know? Uh, and then how can we respond to this? That particular challenge was interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. As we adult educators, kind of lay people are like, geez, we don't know about how these machines really operate or work. So what do we tell the kids? And, you know, as we uh, break down the problem and think about where we're going to do the research, we tune and reflect our approach uh, during this so that we're ready for this presentation of learning uh, in response back to the challenge. And in particular, this model uh, included, again, the industry partner coming to our school, delivering the challenge. Then we went back to them, hmm. got, a, got a tour of their manufacturing shop, their floor, um, and just a couple miles from our campus and got to see all of their equipment, their ways of knowing and being, all their employment opportunities, and then the kids presented. And the challenge, the uh, response that won that, that particular time was um, – the kids basically said, hey, so we ordered uh, on the internet a $3 circuit board that hooks into our laptops that the school issues to us uh, because we, we understand that if this is affixed to your machine, uh, we can measure uh, the electric, uh, the vibration, or the torque in your machine, mm-hmm. and you then can tell how many times per hour, per shift, per day, per month that machine gets used. And you'll be able to ascertain and figure out um, how many uses to failure. That's a pretty high level yeah. uh, project and, and outcome for the kids to present. I turned to the uh, engineers um, and said, I think they just said you should make them all Bluetooth. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so that's that's an opportunity that the kids get. But I'll, I'll, I'll speak about another one uh, that was pretty awesome too. One of our corrugated cardboard manufacturing and, and packaging solutions partners came to us and um, had a, a business that wanted to um, get boxes for uh, soy-based candles that told mm-hmm. a story, right? Mm-hmm. So the, the different aromas of the, the candles within the, the four-pack uh, and and very intentional in terms of the, the drinking glasses that were used um, to hold the candles. And our kids got the challenge of help this – a customer of ours who wants to sell these candles to tell her story through packaging. So our kids then using the same model had the opportunity to CAD design the boxes hmm. to uh, use laser uh, cutters, uh, laser printers, engravers to shape the boxes and to come up with some pretty cool designs. Uh, and in the end, when we went back to that industry partner's floor to respond to the challenge of how do we make the packaging for shipment and retail for this customer, um, there was a lotus flower box uh, that kind of opened once you untied the bow that won. And the kids got hmm. to present that and, and explain along the way how they designed, what technology they used. Mm-hmm. And these are 14, 15, 16-year-old kids yeah. um, showing this industry partner their capacity and potential. Um, and so they're happy to be able to offer these kids internships and employment uh, after seeing their skill sets. That's those are both really uh, interesting examples. Um, so when when a challenge comes in, so on either of these two examples that you just provided, how many project teams are putting you know uh, designs into a, into the challenge, and how big are those project teams? So generally, it's one uh, you know one section or one class kind of mm-hmm. at a time in a traditional way. So there's four or five. 
with uh, groups of four to six. Yeah. Okay. Um, but it, it, the, the second one I just uh, had spoken about, we had two, uh, two different programs participate and it was really great to see, um, how, how different the two programs approach the output. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and pretty fascinating for the adults in the two programs, uh, to see that the, the impact of our project-based approach, um, our kind of, we, we borrow thinking from Stanford design schools, thinking process, mm-hmm. uh, and high tech high, uh, in San Diego's approach to project-based learning. Um, and also we have this global competence approach that came to us through our partnership with the international school study network. So we bring that all together and to see, uh, the different teachers and different adults see a, a different and yet common, uh, output and outcome. It was, it was really special. What, what were the two programs? How were they different? Um, that, that competed on that same challenge. So, uh, one was a PTAC program in its very first year, uh, in our County. Um, and another was a PTEC program in its uh, 10th year within our county uh, using the same approach, uh, same kind of teacher moves, if you will, uh-huh. um, and having different technology also available to them. So one of the programs uh, that's, that's uh, younger um, in its pedigree, I would say, um, had a more tactile, hands-on approach, whereas the program that's a little more seasoned in its, uh, in its 10th year uh, had the access to um, additive as well as reductive manufacturing principles and machines right. that could help with that. Right, right. Um, when when your programs are engaging in this form of, of teaching and learning, what are the, you know, I assume that you've got learning outcomes that you're trying to teach toward. Uh, what are those learning outcomes? And, and the context behind that question, I'm a big believer in experiential learning, and I think one of the toughest questions is how do you assess it? What are the learning outcomes, even though you know every fiber of your, fiber of your being says this is a great learning experience, right? Uh, but you have, to, you have to show that. How do you all approach that? Well, I guess first I'll, I'll um, speak about the fact that um, the kids in our programs have standardized uh, tests that they still must, uh, you know, kind of attend to. Mm-hmm. So all kids in New York State have to pass the Regents exams um, in order to graduate. So that's a baseline thing. Uh, one in uh, math, one in science, uh, two social studies history exams, and an English language arts exam. But specific to our career pathways programs, uh, there are industry tests that uh, our kids take as well. Mm -hmm. So um, not to name a brand, but we do use the Haas manufacturing uh, test um, for our manufacturing students. And we do use a Cisco test um, for our cybersecurity network administration Mm -hmm. uh, program. So they have that uh, in terms of traditional approaches to assessment. Um, But, you know, we believe uh, in narrative uh, reporting, uh, as assessment, and we believe in having kids uh, get high quality feedback from people who have core or content area knowledge and expertise. So, in that work based learning model, that challenge model I spoke about, you know, we're always setting them up to have these industry partners give high quality feedback, right? Um, so that they can tune and reflect. And and uh, you think about the stories that I just shared, the feedback that was received from those folks uh, at the uh, fastening system company 
the first example or the corrugated uh, company in the second example from the owner operator, from uh, the CEO, from the design folks and from the people who work on the floor and actually produce the product um, was pretty great. We used two different approaches uh, during those sessions. We have what we call our learning threads, which essentially is a set of standards and, and uh, information that ask kids to always be, and, and for our teachers to always be focusing on leadership, mm-hmm. creativity, multiple literacies, global competence, uh, and creativity. We have a set of standards under, underneath that. And then we have an employability profile, which was co-authored as were our leadership, uh, or sorry, our uh, learning threads, co-authored by uh, our industry partners. Um, and that employability profile has a set of characteristics within it uh, mm-hmm. that we ask the kids to reflect upon their work, to reflect with peers uh, as they do these projects and do their work. Uh, and then we we have opportunities for our industry partners through work-based learning challenges, mentoring, and internships to provide uh, feedback on those employability profiles. Mm-hmm. How, uh, what's the, um, I, I, the conversion rate of students that are working on the challenges, uh, and then end up getting, uh, internships? Uh, is that, you know, how big of a percentage is that roughly? So, um, this year in, in our program, we were able to, um, place over 240 kids in internships. Mm-hmm. Um, internships start in the basically the senior year mm-hmm. um, or the fourth year in our pathways uh, full day programs. And so we had, um, so that's a, a roughly a third this year okay. that we, that we were able to place. Um, and there, there are many reasons why we're extremely pleased and happy with that. Um, and it also though shows us what we have, we have to increase that 300 fold, 300% fold in order to, uh, to meet the goals that we have for each kid to have a meaningful, whether paid or unpaid internship and mentorship experience, uh, during that time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally get that. I think that, um, you know, we have about 80% of our students, uh, that do internships, but, uh, that last, you know, whatever you're working towards those last percentage points towards your ultimate goal, you know, you're putting infinitely more work into those percentage points than you did the ones previous to that. It's it's hard. Um, when a student is doing an internship, so they've already went through the challenge process, they found an industry partner where there's some sort of, uh, you know, good co-connection between them and the student gets placed. Are they still taking courses like math and, and, and English back in their home district or your building while they're doing the internship? So is it you know, coursework and internship at the same time? So in our uh, high school replacement programs in the P-TECH program or in our Phoenix Academy, uh, we provide those core academic areas. And mm-hmm. yes, they continue to receive those. Um, in our career and technical education program, there's essentially two models of that. Um, since it's a half-day program and the kids still spend half the day in their, their home school district, um, Kids can receive academic credit here through integrated academics, which basically means the curriculum was written and approved, stating that the ELA standards, the math, the science uh, uh, standards, or even social studies are embedded within career and technical trade area. Mm -hmm. Um, 
or there's also the opportunity for specialized credit, which generally means there's a pullout, uh, meaning the kids come out of their career in technical education trade program um, for some direct instruction uh, mm-hmm. for those academic uh, core credits. So those are the three pathways to credit. But sure. uh, essentially, yes, they're still getting, they're still participating in the core area uh, until they complete their high school experience. Uh, you know, just because of your background in educational administration, you've been around teachers for a long time. What are the skill sets of teachers that are, you know, highly effective in programs like this? Well, the dispositions uh, certainly look like uh, folks who can learn, unlearn, relearn, be agile, um, embody those those traits I spoke about earlier, which are our uh, learning threats. So leadership, mm-hmm. creativity, multiple literacies, um, self-direction. Um, those are the kinds of things that we're looking for our teachers to embody. They also um, are folks who are able to um, look at the learning through the global competence model that we that I, mm-hmm. I referenced earlier, which is you know teaching kids always to be investigating um, and recognizing perspectives of others, how to become good consumers and communicators, mm-hmm. and then how to design a response. Um, and present their learning in a way that uh, takes or makes action um, that's either um, going to improve conditions for folks, improve a product, or improve an outcome. Mm-hmm. Um, so those those are important things. Um, and also, you know, having a, the ability to focus on employability as a piece of this um, in traditional school spaces. Uh, sometimes that is not where we target. Um, so in our career technical education space, uh, you know, it's it's really important that we have a focus on workplace skills, mm-hmm. uh, workplace skills of the future uh, for the for a an emerging economy. Um, that we also have folks who are interested in, and capable in not only modeling good personal skills, um, but are interested in, in teaching a curriculum around that. Um, and then grounding all of this in our career technical trade areas, specifically in the technical skills that kids uh, must have for that specific trade area. And so we use the Skills USA framework for that that component of it. Um, and then folks who want to be a part of process based and project based learning, mm-hmm. um, and and can design into um, supporting kids. Uh, supporting young learners and young professionals uh, through the process of launching a project, helping them to iterate and and design a response uh, or a product, uh, helping them to tune and reflect, and then to uh, to plan the presentation of learning. Uh, we like folks to be public learners themselves. We think that is is a great way uh, to model for kids, um, and you know to be able to facilitate. Uh, community within classroom spaces so that uh, kids can see themselves within the community. Uh, They have connection. Uh, They know their value to the community um, in service of making them employable good people. Mm -hmm. I think the last question I have, 
you know, I up front, I, I didn't say at the beginning of the podcast that we have, it's not called BOCES, but we have a similar model in Ohio um, where we have uh, technical uh, career-oriented um uh, conglomerates much like yours we have a different name for them but but they they function the same so i have some familiarity with you know how this how this works um i think that you know as as i've learned about tri-county which is our uh, local uh, career and technical center that serves districts in a probably a very similar geographic area to ulster uh, just more much more rural um there's definitely a community benefit uh that gets created because of the students from the different community schools going to Tri-County, doing work there, and then going into the workforce. What are What's some of the things that you've seen in Ulster that sort of is a, I guess, a secondary but really important benefit of having school systems and industry working together in support of students in, in a very unique learning environment. Have, have you seen, you know, great examples of how you can point to that and say, if we weren't doing these programs, we wouldn't see these benefits? Yeah, so um, please interject as, as you wish, but uh, the, the current model uh, of American education in most communities was built in the late 18, uh, 1890s by a committee of 10 folks. <laughs> And that model was intended essentially to organize education um, for economic uh, purposes, mm-hmm. uh, to make us have a strong economy and one that could uh, exert dominance, uh, especially in war times. And it was factory based and linear in its approach. And at some point, um, over from its design to present times, uh, it ran its course very effectively and accomplished its goals. Yet we're still organized for that economy and that approach. Mm-hmm. Um, and we very much are still organizing our 22 credits in New York State and our five exams based upon that. Um, and so often when we look at data or we look at that curriculum, we're, we're realizing, well, that is, uh, if you will, a liberal arts approach that all kids are getting. Um, a holistic approach that's intended to be foundational. Um, but essentially, I, the question that I that I continue to roll around is, is that preparing kids for four years post high school or for yeah. 40 years uh, post high school? And uh, I like to lean towards we really should be doing the work for 40 years past mm-hmm. high school. Mm-hmm. And so what we attempt to do um, in our – suburban but rural county um, is to leverage uh, those personal relationships that you can that you can have and make um, in uh, in those types of spaces bring those people in as individual advocates for programs get to know the kids get to know the programs get to help shape the programs in a way that's going to help the programs be better uh, at being economic and um, uh, workplace development centers Mm-hmm. Um, and, and once we can do that, those people then develop a sense of institutional advocacy back in their, in their shops, in their businesses, in their communities, and then in our programs. Uh, and that's where things really start to churn well, uh, because they realize what, what the need and the purpose is, um, relative to a career and technical education center that's attempting to make kids, um, see the greater, 
opportunities, see employability as accessible to them within our mm-hmm. community, within our county, and help to grow their businesses. Um, and then I'll just speak as a dad. Uh, something that you premised earlier is that you know it's it's really in, to me you premised. Uh, it's powerful when kids from a rural uh, suburban area can get to know one another beyond their local zip codes or school districts. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's really powerful. And so when these kids come to our career and technical education center from their home schools, they're leaving behind, uh, at least for half the day, relationships that were forged in kindergarten yeah. through middle school. Uh, and they're coming to us and they are uh, excitedly connecting with people for a common purpose, whether it's the trade area uh, specifically, or just wanting to be doing something hands-on or different. Uh, and they form relationships that span within our County as much as 80 miles. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that becomes really powerful um, to have kids looking at the world uh, a little bit more, at least regionally rather than um, bucolically in a, in a very rural way, which doesn't necessarily show them opportunity for jobs. Uh, yeah. To meet new people. There was a, I, I was talking with one of the Tri-County faculty members um, sometime last year, uh, was speaking with her, and she was telling a story about having two student athletes from different schools where they were playing each other that night. And, you know, the conversations that they have in her classroom in the afternoon in anticipation of a game like that, where they're working side by side and having a great time, but they know that in three hours they're going to be hitting each other. You know, I mean, it's a, it's an interesting dynamic um, when you mix students like that, but also I think really exciting. Absolutely. And so, you know, uh, whether it's sharing photos or, uh, plans or inviting one another to dances and mm-hmm. social events and, and proms and those sorts of things, um, or even just getting to know what goes on in the in the northern part of the county yeah. where the ski centers are versus the southern part of the county where there are actually a couple of boat launches, uh, mm-hmm. where the different parks are, the different hamlets where there are cool restaurants. Uh, you know, it, we have we have a small county here. But there are hundreds of thousands of people, and there are many cultural uh, differences between our, our little area uh, that mm-hmm. the kids get to experience um, because they come through this regionalized education program. Yeah. Peter, it's been great talking with you. I, I don't want to leave the interview. If there's something that you were excited to talk about that I haven't asked you a question, that let you get it in. Is there anything else you wanted to say? Yeah, I really appreciate um, what you've drawn out during this time. It was great to be able to... Uh, talk about uh, some of the shifts as as uh, I and, and the team at Ulster BOCES uh, see as essential to making kids um, feel a part of their day-to-day education, feel like they are developing personal workplace, technical skills, uh, being a part of a community, learning how to process mm-hmm. um, their uh, the information that they take in and to become um, more ready to be employable, productive, and good people uh, as they exit our ed- educational institutions. Um, we have a model that we think works well for our kids and that we're proud to share about, and I appreciate the, the time you spent to talk to me. Absolutely. I, I think if John Dewey were alive right now, he would be smiling at what you just said. <laughs> <laughs>
So <laughs> my secretary, one of my secretaries went to Dewey high school. Uh, and, uh, we joke about it all the time because she really gets it. She went yeah. to a Dewey, yeah. Dewey model, John Dewey high school. Yeah. I, I dust off, uh, multiple of his books about every three or four years because of the wisdom contained therein. So, <laughs> yeah, I would also just, since you brought up, since you dropped in a really important person in this work, uh, you know, I would give credit to the work of people like Larry Rosenstock mm. uh, at High Tech High. Mm-hmm. I would give credit to the initiatives of uh, Ted Dintersmith and uh, what schools could be uh, and, and the work that's happening um, through those networks. Uh, stuff to check out. Really yeah. good stuff. Absolutely. Uh, my guest today was Peter Harris. He's an assistant superintendent in the Ulster County Board of Cooperative Education of BOCES. Uh, it's been great talking with him. Uh, thank you for listening to Teaching Matters. We're always excited to have you tune in. Our audio engineer and associate producer is Adam Rich. I'm Scott Titsworth, your host. We hope you have a great day. And, and as always, feel free to reach out on social media or email if you have ideas for things that you would like to either talk with us about on the program or ideas that you would like us to explore. Everyone take care of yourself and have a good day. We'll see you soon.